Here we go. Neutron, proton, mass effect, lyrical oxidation, you're irrelevant, mass spectrograph, your electron volt, atomic energy erupting as I get all open on betatrons, gamma rays, thermal cracking, cyclotron, any and every mic you're on, transuranium, if y'all was uranium, molecule spontaneous combustion, Bam. law of definite proportion, gain ink weight, I'm every element around. This is Spark Science, where we explore stories of human curiosity. My name's Regina Barber de Graff. I teach physics and astronomy at Western Washington University. I uh, love Harry Potter. I'm here with my co-host, uh, Jordan Baker. Yeah. I, Do you also love Harry Potter? I've never read a book. God. I've never seen a movie. It's like everything I like, you don't no, like. You I don't know. even like it? No. I you don't have don't an opinion. I've never seen any of the Star Wars. <laughs> uh, somebody was asking me yesterday a, yeah. about... Uh, some other franchise that I was just like, no, some, I've never seen it. Some <laughs> other franchise. I'll just be like, uh, Jordan, have you seen some other franchise? And you, your answer is it's probably not. not. Yeah. Yeah. How I mean, is <laughs> was it Dumb and Dumber and Dumb and Dumberer and then Dumber Dumber Two? I love Dumb and Dumber. Then I That's a good saw movie. Two out of three of them. Okay. <laughs> so how's Upfront? It's doing well. Yeah. We're doing the sciencey uh, yes. space trek. Yeah, and uh, you hate right Star Trek, so you actually <laughs> yeah. still do it though. I don't hate Star Trek. I just don't watch it nor care for it. I, I don't like it. I wouldn't if, watch it if it was on TV and something else was on TV. Mm-hmm. I'd watch something else. Okay, but you don't hate it. No, that sounds like you hate it. It does. No. Okay. All right. Well, well, I think you're reading into it. Listeners will disagree with you because they'll listen to past episodes where but you they'll, groan. They'll come and see the show and they'll say, That's true. wait, I think he likes space stuff. So this week we're going to talk about medical anthropology. And our guest today is Dr. Sean Bruna. How's hey. it going? It's pretty good. It's it's great to be here. Yeah. Um, Do you like it's hearing kind of, our ramblings? Well, I'm, I'm actually going to be at the Star Trek show next week. Not because I'm a fan, but a very big fan is is dragging me out there. So I have to do mm. a little research and know exactly what my favorite episode is. Well, the Space Trek improv thing or an actual Star Trek oh, different the thing? the improv one. Oh, okay. nice. Yeah, yeah. which in, in this town is apparently pretty big. Yeah, it, it was yeah. sold out. I was going to go the other day and actually <laughs> yeah. support my friend here. And I couldn't because it was sold out. Yeah, there's a couple and, Trekkies in this place. Well, yeah, it's couple. already sold out for Saturday, and it's Monday. Oh, no. or, or it was Monday. That's insane. Oh, no. Yeah, Crazy. You're, the, you're that popular. Do you have groupies, Jordan? Oh, yeah. Is there a green room? There are, Can there, I watch there from there backstage? Groupies. Yeah, there's a. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you sneak in the back door. <laughs> there's a camera. This is a good segue, right? Because when we're talking about anthropology, the most generic definition that I understand, which please correct me, Sean, is that anthropology is the study of humans and culture, right? And I don't know, human culture. I don't know. No, that, that's pretty good. I mean, we look at we look at human behavior in context. Um, and improv is the best way to do that. Oh, I well, think. improv, human you, behavior, you yeah. actually really have to know people uh, to practice improv. Absolutely. So that would be a great scene to be behind the scenes checking it out. Taking notes, making them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Poking and prodding at all their insecurities. Right. right. <laughs> That's a pretty good definition. That's a good place to start. Absolutely. So how would you put more detail into that definition? I look at what people do in context. Okay. And in my case, as a medical anthropologist, I wonder how what people do and, and where they do it impacts their health and wellness. Okay. All right. So before we go into what you do now... I want to go way, way back machine. We're going to get, we're all in the time machine now. And we're going back in time and we're going to visit baby Sean 
and why he wanted to go into medical anthropology. How baby are we talking about? I, I mean, know, I remember like the first 13. time I wore pants when I came to the U.S. I grew up in South America. Really? And, Tell me uh, about the first time you wore pants. That's awesome. You know, it's it's kind of weird. Um, I couldn't bend my knees. Leg I was prisons. like eight years old. It totally leg prisons. Yeah, I hate them. In El Paso, Texas, right on the border, one of the strangest, largest, biggest towns out there. Yeah. It's a little weird. Oh my gosh. So before that, it was all shorts or what? Like all shorts. All shorts. Never pants. Never pants. Wow. That, that's crazy because I do not remember the first time I wore pants. I can imagine <laughs> it could be really weird though. I mean, you're right, right? Like if you've never had any like cloth restraint below the knee, well, right? We all, yeah, we all get used to whatever's yeah. around us. So when you're put yeah. in a different context, like I was, maybe that was the beginning of anthropology for me. In a different con- found it. context. And all of a sudden I went, this is strange, um, yeah. including the border town, which was incredibly strange. Oh, yeah. But I think that's where I started with my interest in anthropology. Coming to a different country, in this case, I came to the U.S. and Things were pretty different. People were different. A lot of strange interactions on the U.S.-Mexico border. You know, you get a lot of people <laughs> clashing together at the yeah. busiest port in the world. And yeah. and uh, and I think that's where it started. Wow. But I was more interested, though, in archaeology when I started college. Because of Indiana Jones. I, I admit it. Yeah. Because <laughs> of Indiana oh Jones. <laughs> Guilty I like pleasure. how he's just like, yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah, it's 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 pretty bad. Exactly. Exactly right. And I, I went to school off in, in Chicago, and I was working on, like, Oh, Mayan and, and Aztec archaeology, studied Nahuatl, an indigenous language in Mexico. And then I started going more into like bioarchaeology. So I was really into pollen for a while. And I was in a lab one day and I was spending about 10 hours in the lab looking at pollen in a microscope, looking at the bumps on the pollen, counting them. Like from ancient civilizations? Uh, yeah, I was actually working on a on an archaeological site from uh, New Mexico from about uh, 1500 years ago. Oh, wow. And I was reconstructing the landscape as part of my undergraduate class working on someone else's project. And after about 10 hours, I looked up and I said, I cannot do this. I have to speak to a human. Right. And it was the last archaeology class I took. Um, I know because Indiana Jones, I mean, he talks to so many people. It's so inaccurate. Like he's out in the field, he's having fun, he's right. going all over the world, right. and and I just I had to change. I had to go cultural at that point, and which is way more fun hanging yeah. out with people and doing whatever they do. It's it's great, and I switched over at that point to cultural anthropology and started actually interacting with people, working at that point actually at, at powwows quite a bit. Okay, powwows there in the uh, in the Midwest. In the same culture you were studying before, just I ended more up, modern. Yeah, I ended up moving north. I mean, I finished my undergrad degree in, in anthropology and Latin American studies Okay. Um, at, the, at that point. And I said, well, I'll take a little bit of time to figure it out. So I actually worked it at the university there at Chicago, and I was a coordinator for student activities. It, Chicago's weird. It, it's sort of where fun goes to die. Oh, no. and, um, and <laughs> Don't tell my wife that. Yeah. <laughs> from Chicago. Yeah, and, and all of our Chicago listeners, we love you. Yeah. Uh, you might understand University of Chicago. Uh, you know, you, Chicago you is also one of the uh, heart uh, places of improv. It, it is. It is. It is. It is. It is. It is fabulous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe anyway. they are also studying cultural interactions. Yes. They are so. definitely... <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You're in Chicago. So I mean, at students, that point, students. working in student activities and trying to make it more fun. And I started working on partnerships between the university and, and museums, really getting students off campus. And I started thinking again, I think I want to maybe go back and get a master's or maybe go to law school. I wasn't oh exactly sure. Yeah, don't go well, to law school. I, I'm interested in the market social flooded people. Work. Well, that's true. It's a little, a little different. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but I, I got a master's and, and it was in, in social science. And, and at that point, 
said, well, why don't I, I'm interested in, in native studies, I'm interested in law, so I focused on federal Indian law, which was neat. I, I tried out research for the first time. I was working with a tribe back in El Paso, Texas, where I immigrated to, and uh, it, it was kind of fun and exciting. You know, I contacted them and their tribal secretary, and I said, I'd love to do some research with you all. And she said, great, why don't you send questions? And And I faxed over faxed. I faxed yeah. over questions Wait, because what that's what they wanted it. <laughs> this was in uh, about 2003, but they that's wanted it in facts. Not too bad. Yeah, facts. They wanted them faxed yeah. over. So I said, okay, but it's, I'll, it, I'll it was still, I mean, there wasn't a lot of scanning and emailing then. I mean, I understand. Yeah, it's still, it's still a little bit. They, they were They're, paper heavy. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, they, they got this fax <laughs> right. and, then, and then they never got back to me. Completely ignored. I never heard anything again. And I said, all right, I finished my master's. And I said, I got to think about this whole research thing yeah. for a little while. And I went to go work at a law firm as a paralegal. But it was a social justice law firm. Yes. No offense to any lawyers. My husband's a lawyer. It's just a flooded market. That's what I'm trying to do. People are like, I want to go into law. I want to do constitutional law. And there's this like comic-y kind of cartoon online. And it, and it says <laughs> like, oh, you want to go into constitutional law? Did you go to Yale? Did you go to Yale in the 1970s? Then you won't do constitutional law. So it's like, it's a very restricted field. But I don't know anything about social justice. It it is pretty restricted. I mean, (laughs) the only constitutional lawyer I know is is Obama. um, Yeah. Because he was at Chicago and I used to work with his uh, Did you ever meet Obama? Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Are you the way you say that sounds so fake? But you're, 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 yeah. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! Absolutely, you absolutely did. Yeah, I worked that with his is, wife, and that is awesome. And, and he didn't go to Yale in the seventies. I think he went in like the eighties, right? I'd have to look that up. Yeah, yeah a little, little yeah. later, so it's, it's okay. It's, it's, it's really close. I want to get my feet wet by working at this social justice law firm. So I worked as an anthropologist, absolutely loved it because I could go out into the field. I worked on farm worker rights cases in California. I know everything you want to know about asparagus. Um, I know about meatpacking in the U.S., which is uh, a really frightening, difficult industry. It's probably really Um, dangerous too. No, incredibly dangerous. It's so fast and, and, and people get chopped up. They chop off fingers. Uh, It's it's just from a social justice perspective. My buddy here, Jordan, is a a butcher. I'm a butcher. (laughs) A butcher. And, uh, yeah, you don't know anything about the Mac, uh, the meatpacking industry. Yeah. It's, it's awful. Yeah. 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 Mass production meat's difficult. And that was, yeah. Bringing the illegals over and, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Getting raided. Getting them deported. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of a lot of what we worked on. We're on the the worker cases, and then I ended up also working on this really neat um, ethical case where some scientists were defrauding the government. They were making up subjects in a study. Very rare. What? And, uh, so another scientist blew the whistle on them. Yeah. And it turned into a humongous lawsuit. Part of it went to the Supreme Court. So is it is it public now? Can you talk about it? I, I believe the case is still ongoing, so I can't go into details. But it, okay. it's a fascinating case study. Part went to the, the Supreme Court, not at all on the, the science part, but to look at how the part that I researched was to look at some laws from the Civil War era about defrauding the government, Key Tam era. And um, it, it's it's kind of weird that an anthropologist can 
can do this. I was it looking at way more exciting the congressional than record. Stuff. Oh, it's great. <laughs> you know, they'd say, all right, Sean, go into the archive. And, and I go and I'm reading the congressional record. I'm trying to understand what people were, were thinking when they created these laws during the Civil War. I yeah. Mean, so it's a different people, time. Oh, it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> totally different. And that, that part ended up going to the Supreme Court and that little piece won and, the case is, I believe, still ongoing. It's that large of a lawsuit. I'm going to ask my husband wow. about it. He's going to look it up. Oh, it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. But I will say this. After working at a law firm, I realized I did not want to become a lawyer. Yeah. Mainly because you have to work within the framework of the law. It's these very strong structures. And I wanted to critique the world around us, not use those tools right. to move things forward. So and there's not a lot that you can change as a lawyer, too. I mean, you can have cases and they can, you know, they can go to the Supreme mm -hmm. Court and then things can change, but it's so hard. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you want change, become as a lawyer, become a, a policymaker. Right. Yeah. Be a lobbyist. <laughs> become a lobbyist. Yeah, right. sadly. <laughs> go to K Street. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah you, you were talking about the meatpacking and the asparagus, the farm workers. What was your specialty in that? I mean, was it like Jordan said that these people were undocumented, so all these horrible things were happening and then they couldn't actually complain about it and they couldn't get any help because then they would get deported? Certainly, I'm not a lawyer, so anything I say should be taken with a, a grain of salt. Yes. I'm an anthropologist. Okay. Um, but Warning for our, for our listeners. Absolutely. But individuals might work for, work for someone. In this case, let's say asparagus. Asparagus grows and all of a sudden it's ready for harvest and it all has to be harvested incredibly quickly. So people end up working instead of 40 hours a week, they may work 80 or more hours a week, mm -hmm. nonstop, just crazy work. And individuals might or might not have documentation to work. Or more often than not, a company might say, we don't want to pay you all overtime. Right. So how about you borrow someone else's social security number and we'll pay you the first part of your wage? as employee A and the second part of your wage is employee B. The employer doesn't have to pay overtime. The individual ends up working a lot and they feel they don't have rights. So we became aware of this through people that were working with farm workers. And as an anthropologist, my job was to interview people, meet people and say, do you want to participate in this class action lawsuit? And then right. hear their stories and help depose them, help interview them to hear their story of what's happening. Wow. It was it was difficult work, but yeah. really, really good work because these are individuals that are providing our food. I mean, I can no longer look at asparagus the same way now. And I, I, I have such a hard time buying it because I can remember the Ugh. stories people told me about when they were harvesting. But, yeah. you know, but hopefully now we can buy, you know, in this case, asparagus from a more reputable company. Right. Um, it takes some work, though, but it's 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 good work. It's good work. It was a good experience. Do you do you have any connections or know anything about farm workers in this region? Because I mean, Jordan and I grew up in Linden. There's a lot of berries, right? Yeah, I so. was yeah I was picking berries at 12 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of migrant workers, but there's also a lot of Linden kid workers that right. um, that the bus comes around and picks us up. Yep. And mm -hmm. then they pay us in cash at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, that's legal, right? I don't know. I don't know. It's Does by it... the pound. It's like piecework, right? So. <laughs> that's right. But, I mean, do you know anything about – A little bit. Actually, okay. one of the undergraduate students that's in my medical anthropology lab is pretty uh, engaged with social activism here in the region and was working with him in, in sort of some affiliate roles. And he actually researched uh, in one of my classes student activism wanted to understand why students do or do not become active in social issues. <laughs> That's very and meta. so it, it's absolutely <laughs> meta. But he wanted to see how he could be like more effective right. in bringing other individuals into a, a cause. So right. 
pretty pretty neat. Um, I, I just I wonder how well I think a Walken County treats their workers. I mean, I think it's gone hmm. up and down over the years, but I, I have no idea. So I wanted to know. Yeah, I I guess you don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that's not so much my specialty, but there's a lot of organizations here in town that are pretty engaged. I mean, um, uh, there's a community to community, for example. Okay. Um, There's a lot of groups that are working on these issues that certainly would be fabulous hosts to talk about some of the local packing questions. So that was your story. Is there anything else that like totally got you to, we haven't even talked about your current research. Oh, yeah. We will. But what, anything else that got you to this point? Well, yeah. I mean, after that master's where the tribe I worked with never got back to me, I said, things have to change. Yeah. And I went back for uh, another master's and then a PhD, but I said, I'm going to work differently. I'm going to partner for my research. And that completely changed my trajectory. When you actually ask people what they want to change, yeah. um, they want to work with you. And that completely changed my direct uh, my trajectory into health research. Right. And are you a tenure track um, faculty mm-hmm. member at Western? Okay. I am. In the anthropology department. In anthropology. Okay. And mm-hmm. is there any like cross-disciplinary stuff that happened with anthropology? Because you're a medical anthropologist, so you yeah. must work with biology, right? Yeah, absolutely. Probably. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I have a lot of training in public yeah. health and I was <laughs> okay. a fellow at the CDC uh, oh. and also with the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and Mellon Foundation. Essentially, I'm half of me is maybe more of a, what do we think of a, a scientist? I, I look at the numbers and the stats. Yeah. And the other half of me uh, is is very humanistic and almost just, you know, wants to give people a hug. And I look at how these yeah, two different like ways of thinking <laughs> work with each other. Yeah. Um, totally different thinking. Yeah. But when they combine, they either work beautifully um, or it's an explosion, but something new is usually created. That's awesome. So we're going to take a break. Sweet. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk. We're going to come back to aliens. Like, I don't know. Ooh, Roswell, if, New Mexico. Yeah, we're going to come back to aliens. And then we're going to uh, talk about your current research. Sounds great. All right. Welcome back to Spark Science. We're Hi. talking to uh, Dr. Bruna, Dr. Sean Bruna, about medical anthropology, but mostly about studying human culture in context. Is that basically what you yeah, said? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And But before we will get into your research, I wanted to get back to our random walk to aliens. And you said that, that there are anthropologists that study people that believe that there's aliens. I kind of want to know about that a little bit, and then I want to talk about our... Our other alien reference. Oh, yeah, certainly. Well, I mean, in, I, I got my PhD in, in New Mexico. And so there's <laughs> Roswell, New Mexico, which is, is absolutely there? amazing. <laughs> I drove by there and people were like insane. Oh, but it's <laughs> incredible. The, the lights down That's the like street are alien heads. <laughs> is there really? I need to go there one day. You really want to go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Everyone has to go through Ro- Roswell at some point. Okay. It, it's a great detour if you're on a road trip across country. Um, I recommend having an Irish wolfhound in the back of the Subaru when you do it. Makes a fabulous trip. Okay, um, but Roswell. What, what is do a they new add place. to the trip? Uh, Barking. Okay. You know, when you stop like through the south, uh, I got free ribs, sweet tea, just for having a hound. Really? I have a oh, bulldog. Great. Would that would get that me work? free ribs? Yeah, totally. It's all right. It's amazing do, how do, nice people get with animals. It's true. Like I think people that are like slightly obsessed about aliens, let's say maybe maybe they wouldn't be as 
friendly with you, but maybe with a dog. I don't know. Because I don't know. And unless you do believe in aliens. I'm assuming that you're studying them and you don't. So... I, I, that's a, fa- that's a fabulous question to yeah. ask. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, uh, I want to believe. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and maybe like I have X-Files. a sticker somewhere that says I believe. I want to <laughs> believe. I want to believe like X-Files. I do. I mean, and for me personally, as an astronomer or an astrophysicist, I know there must be other life. I mean, there has to be. The universe is so big. Now, do I believe they came here? That's where it's a, where I get not as, um, sure. I mean, some of my research has been, in, in the spirit world and not quite aliens, but definitely right. different planes and different belief systems. Right. But I, I wish there were aliens. <laughs> but do you know of people that study the culture of, oh, sure. of I mean, like um, American or even just, you know, human what obsession would, what would with What would be the, like, the findings that they would get from them? Because like, I'm well, sure I mean, it's probably the same people that do like Sasquatch or something like is that. It that the are sa- like, yeah, that's a good question. Is it the same people that do not Sasquatch? Not like the, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And there's that's a whole different realm that's, <laughs> oh, really? that, that looks at Sasquatch. I mean, there's giants in, in, um, in, in lore and mythology and right. a lot of native traditions um, are very common, particularly in this area, yes. in the Midwest, in the North. Um, mm-hmm. Very common. And there's individuals, there are some individuals uh, in the Midwest that I've had wonderful discussions with about Sasquatch. Um, I won't go there because I have yet to encounter Sasquatch, but right. you're not going to discount part it. in, in lore yeah. with, with Sasquatch and with aliens too. I think with aliens, though, one thing I look, think is rather interesting, if we think of Roswell, is the tourism surrounding it. Yeah. yeah. So, when we look at people that, that believe, there's people that might capitalize on it in right. some way and exactly what that does to tourist economies. I mean, Roswell, there's a museum there that grosses over a million dollars with $1 ticket, $1 admission at a time. With what? so many people going through there, it drastically changes economies. I mean, when we hear Roswell, that's what we think of. Right. And so there's entire tourism economies built on it that forever changed that part of New Mexico. Wow. No, that's true. Maybe no, w- one alien t-shirt at a time. Well, and, and I, th- I think parts of Canada, and even in the nor- Northwest here, we actually try that too. We try to capitalize on Bigfoot. We, yeah. Bigfoot coffee. And, and uh, I think in Chilliwack here in Canada, which is like a little Northeast from where we are right now, the, it's called Sasquatch country. I mean, there's Sasquatch stuff everywhere. And my husband, who's a fisherman, well, I mean, he's a lawyer for like money, but fishermen for like joy. Um, he goes up there all the time and he, I don't know if he honestly believes in Sasquatch or he, he just says it to annoy me, but he thinks Sasquatch is real, but Yetis are ridiculous. Like, why would, why would there be Yetis? <laughs> and I was like, I don't understand that reasoning. And he's told me many times, I don't remember the reason, but, um, yeah. I mean, a lot of times these sorts of, of, um, Oh, creatures, other beings are really there for different morality reasons. Right, exactly. And, yeah. and so when you, when you, you can't necessarily discount them because then you're right. discounting the lessons right. that might be taught with those. So I've, I've learned when I encounter all these, you know, take them with, with respect, um, yeah. with seriousness. I mean, some of my research, let's say in, in South America, I've encountered similar stories and I may not necessarily personally believe in them, but I respect them. And I right. think more importantly, they're trying to teach us something. 
I'm not sure what the Slim Jim Sasquatch might be teaching us, but I know there's a lesson there. <laughs> there um, that's important. Well, yeah. And I almost, I wonder if that's my husband's reasoning because he very much is interested in like the Haida people here and he, mm -hmm. he cares very much about it, but knows nothing about other cultures. So maybe that's why he doesn't believe in the Yeti. I don't know. I think I remember him being at my house and watching Harry and the Hendersons probably a few dozen times in a row. He so loves think, it. Yeah. He loves it. But, but culturally, morally, where do aliens come in? Because I feel like I told, I'm totally with you about cultural stories and legends when it comes to like Sasquatch and, and other things and, and giants and spirits. But where do aliens come in? Is it, is it spirits or where would that come in morally and like, and, and culturally? Well, you know, that, that's going, that's going way off in a different realm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But Sorry. I mean, I mean, certainly I think people want to, to think of, of more than just humanity in some sense. That's true. And, and whatever scale we're at, we yeah. may have something that teaches us, um, or, or provides an opportunity for us to look at ourselves from outside of ourselves. Right. And so aliens are a great opportunity to do that. I mean, look right. at Independence Day, one of the greatest movies ever. I agree. Um, it, 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 as ridiculous as that <laughs> movie is. Um, <laughs> we can talk about this one elsewhere, but yeah. uh, that's one of my movies that I, I love and I hate it in I love part it. because it's, it's, it, I enjoy it. Yeah. Well, it pushes us to think beyond ourselves. And yeah. I think people constantly want to do that. And we find ways as humans to evaluate ourselves, our surroundings. Right. Um, and, and perhaps aliens are one way to do that. Which, which brings me to another point, right? Because I, I agree with you. I think this, um, when people really do get kind of obsessed with this idea that there were aliens they visited here, it is this way to kind of connect with something that isn't there themselves. However, on the other end of the spectrum, when we have illegal aliens, which we were talking about earlier, it's something where they don't want to connect, right? They don't want to have this, this connection with somebody who's definitely not, or what, what they, what, what people see as not themselves, right? So it seems to be a complete clash of like the, the exact opposite of what we're saying about like extraterrestrial aliens, right? Yeah, I mean that. I, I wouldn't. I don't want to generalize. Everyone certainly right. thinking that for right. sure. No, but, but there is a some. there is a population that don't want illegal aliens, right? And and have a very strong feeling against that. So. Yeah, it's you know one one nice uh, litmus test might be that the term whether we we say aliens or immigrants, right? Um, is certainly one one point. You know, as anthropologists, we try and, and humanize uh, individuals, right? Um, particularly, uh, and this is maybe an ethical challenge, individuals that may not have a certain voice in some context, context, we try and document what's happening, bring awareness to experiences. And one of those is certainly saying, you know, individuals are, are immigrants, they're humans. I'm right. an immigrant myself. And in my case, I'm, I'm documented and, and the such. I was technically a U.S. citizen born abroad, but to an alien, you know, my mom had the coolest card growing up that said she was an alien. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it is interesting thinking that that there are individuals that, for some reason, perhaps there's there's fear at some level. Uh, it's a difficult question. Different people fear others or question others or might get angry at others for for a variety of reasons, and that's certainly one of the challenges right now. What I think is interesting is how those populations change over the years. Yeah, and it's you know it's linked to to policy, a lot of trade policies where for a while there may have been uh, Cubans might have been at the forefront, then Haitians, right. Um, than Mexicanos, you know, yeah. and it, it it changes over time. Um, Irish right. immigrants, Italian immigrants. Well, during the gold rush, you know, only this many Chinese could come in, right? And then it was like blocked for like 
decades and decades and decades and decades. Mm-hmm. So it was crazy. Yeah. Well, I, I th- what you said was interesting when you said, like, do we call them aliens or do we call them immigrants? I never thought about that. This idea of not um, humanizing somebody if you call them an alien. That makes complete sense now. <laughs> like mm-hmm. <laughs> the way you say that. But like you were saying, your mom had this awesome like alien card. Uh, my mom became an American citizen when I was like two or something or probably even before. I think she came at American citizen before I was born. But either way, she's she was an American citizen. I grew up here on the Canadian border, and we'd go to um, Vancouver all the time. It was like mm-hmm. the only way we could see any sort of Asian culture. And uh, we'd come back, and through the Linden border, there's this Border Patrol guy who would always say to my mom, and this was like every three weeks, every two weeks. I mean, she he knew who she was, but he would be like, where is your alien card? And he would say that to her every single time. And then, and then he, and she'd go, I'm an American citizen in her very thick Chinese accent. And then he would go, where are your kids' alien cards? And she's like, my kids were born in America. They're American. He's like, come inside. I don't believe you. And he would do this to her. I, I remember being in the car several times mm-hmm. and the border patrol agent that was inside was a really nice guy. And he'd just be like, just go, just go. You know, like, <laughs> I know who you are. Just leave. I don't, you know, and, and. It totally makes sense now. It's like clicking in my head, him using like alien versus like, and constantly accusing her is very dehumanizing. I didn't think about that at the time. But yeah, that's yeah, it, crazy. And it's it's surprising how many of us have experiences like that. Yeah. Um, from all sorts of walks of life, from coming into the US and having experiences coming across the border that, in my case, I think that's part of why I research race and ethnicity. It was because of some of those experiences I had coming to the U.S. to a, a town, El Paso, Texas, that had very difficult race relations. I mean, there was yeah. – I definitely experienced a lot of racial slurs. Right. Um, I look fair-skinned, but I'm bilingual, so I heard things from – Oh, English speakers and Spanish speakers. Right. And, it's like, um, it's so nice when you get it from both US. sides. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Sarcasm. It makes life interesting. <laughs> that's for sure. But yeah. you know, a lot of us have those experiences yeah. coming across the border. And, and, um, yeah. I don't know. I, hopefully things continue, will continue to improve yeah. as we become well, more aware. You're of studying issues. how it's improving, right? Or not improving. <laughs> some. I mean, I, I do yeah. work on, on some, uh, yeah. issues with, with, with immigrants, mainly in health, though. You're right. So let's I mean, actually get to your. Okay. I'm sorry, get to your. Okay. I'm sorry, I like talking about all these things. So You're what? Just exploring human curiosity. I am. It's, I'm curious about these things and his it's knowledge. All right, it's all right. Yeah. Thank you, Jordan. When all of this relates to health, and we were talking about race relations and, and human experiences and, you know, extraterrestrial aliens, but how does this all relate to studying culture and helping them in their health? Is that basically? So I think you were telling me about how you worked with certain tribes um, around um, certain diseases. So tell me more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one thing I like to do is critique common sense. And that's a phrase we hear a lot. Oh, that's common sounds sense. Sounds dangerous. We hear it from, from politicians all the time. Yeah. Well, it's common sense. Uh. And, and the common sense really isn't so common. I mean, we get used to our, our environment, our context. Um, and in my case, uh, in my research, I work on, um, chronic diseases, diabetes, 
um, high blood pressure, type two diabetes, high blood pressure, uh, these sorts of issues. And, and after, gosh, it seems like a while ago after that, the tribe in, in the first masters never got back to me. I said, let's change it up. And I said, is there a, a research topic you all might be interested in? And they said, Oh, how about type two diabetes? Elder after elder that I was meeting were suggesting it. And so I, I started to work with, uh, with, with them on, on, um, on that issue. And, and part of it is to look at that common sense. And in, in a health center, particularly our medical system today, we have this idea of, of the body being kind of like, you know, a car, you know, and doctors really just diagnose. Um, and we're learning that's really far from the truth that people have actual lifestyles. Yeah. And there's this, there's this great, like, I, I love telling this, this, this story. I mean, for example, when I started my research, I was asking individuals in the preliminary stages what they would eat. And people might say, Oh, I have a salad at, at dinner, uh, along with the rest of the dinner. And I go, oh, Okay, that's interesting. And I write it down in my notes. And Christmas day, I was having, um, lunch with one of the families I work with. They invited me over and I came over and they said, Hey, Sean, we have some wonderful salad. Go, go grab some along with the rest of the food and pointing over their shoulder. And like, I said, Great. Yeah. Yeah, some some folks might immediately know where I'm coming from. Yeah. And I go to the kitchen. There's this huge silver bowl, and it's a Jello fruit salad mm-hmm. with like the the canned uh, oranges yeah. and whipped cream. Yeah. And I went, gross. Oh man, <laughs> oh, I, and it's not salad. <laughs> it's yeah. totally not salad. Yeah. It's kind of weird and different. It, it I kind of liked it. Well, I it's good. It, I but. mean, things can be good, but when you go in with a mindset with a certain word like salad, and then you see something else, it's kind of shocking. Yeah, and we we have those experiences all the time when we go in a different context, and doctors have them too. Yeah. Community members might have them when they go see their doctor. So, a lot of what I do is try and get different populations to be able to uh, work together, and I critique that common sense. And in fact, I'm I'm writing a lot right now about critique, critiquing practices at the National Institutes of Health and the CDC, um, largely because they're developed by, um, oh, I'd say weird people, weird scientists. They're generally from Western countries uh, where people are educated. They're industrial nations. They're rich and they're democratic. They're really weird. And <laughs> most science is actually built on weird people. In fact, more, most health science is based on um, white middle-aged men. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm trying to, in a lot of my work, shift beyond that and say, hey, let's critique this common sense and let's start to look at things from a, a different perspective. You're absolutely right with the word salad. I mean, like, right, if you go to cert- any, like, different regions of the U.S., the word salad is going to mean something else, like potato salad or, like, yeah. macaroni salad. Or, or if you go to ha- Hawaii, right, I mean, they have the... Is it Mac salad, right? Or what is it called? Ooh, one of my graduate students is doing research there on diabetes and the food sounds fabulous. It's, but yeah, the yeah. salad's very different. The, it's the really local good. Culture, right. the culture, the phrase out there, local, it, it means something completely different. Oh, it's fabulous right. in Hawaii. But it, but you're absolutely right. I mean, the eating habits in different cultures. I mean, I think not a lot of people get exposed to – they get exposed to like restaurants, like Chinese restaurant, Mexican restaurant. But they don't get exposed to like the everyday food. Mm-hmm. I think when I was growing up, I mean, I mentioned my mom, Chinese, and she would cook basically stir fry every day. Like there was something green ev- in every single meal. And then I would go to the summers in San Diego to my dad's family, who's Mexican-American, and there wasn't a lot of green. I mean, I love you all barbers, and they actually listen to the show. But um, <laughs> there's not a lot of green. And I would like – I mean, I would see so much carbs and so many – so much meat and and – you know, there wasn't especially a lot of northern stuff. northern Mexico and the border oh, region yeah, in particular. Yeah. I mean, that's 
Yeah. That's a lot of um, it's a lot of beans and rice and beans meat. and rice and tacos. I would, I would ask yeah. the Barber family to send their extra food to my house. Jordan, I would complain a lot, um, but it, and I would just be like, I need green, you know. And it, and it, it, I think for me, it was really really obvious, um, like why there are health health issues in certain cultures. I mean, it, it, it the everyday just. Um, yeah, what you eat and what you think is good for you and what might not be good for you well, or just habit. Yeah, that and also – and then here's where the, the context part comes in. So that's all the individual behavior. But yeah. then we look at the, the context for it. I mean if an individual's oh working two shifts or they're working a lot, yeah, they're not exactly. going to go to a supermarket and shop for produce or mm-hmm. uh, maybe they live in a neighborhood that's not that great. I mean where right. I did my research, it was a bit of um, – well, none of the restaurants in a in a two or three mile area had had salads on it, and then the produce right. in the supermarkets, it wasn't that great. So even if you wanted to eat right. fruits and vegetables, it was, it was kind hard. of hard to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that context becomes critical. You always get the iceberg you know. lettuce. That's like all you got. Uh, there you go. I remember, and I remember as a kid, like um, in Southern California, there was all those like Robertos or Albertos, and they would have the taquitos, you know, with the, like the mm. giant amount of guacamole, and that was the only green I got for like days. Mm, that sounds delicious. <laughs> it was good. It was that was good, but it was like, <laughs> but it was. I mean, you know, you're looking for some amount of fiber or something, you know. Yeah, I, I know. Whenever I go to Chicago and I look in the grocery store because I work in a grocery store, and there's like. Two kinds of apple, Red Delicious and Granny Smith. And here we got like 20 different kinds of apples <laughs> year round. Yeah. We're very and spoiled here. They are. Yeah. They are. They got like one cherry. It's yeah. ridiculous. But And we got kale all over the place. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and like people know how to cook it. And we started eating it. Well, I mean, th- things here grow easily. In the U.S. Right. Southwest, I mean, part of the research, we had a, yeah. a, a community garden. Yeah. Uh, at the tribe. Not at all for, for food purposes, though. It was actually a, a calendar, a dance calendar, in a sense, for re- religious activities. A little different way of thinking of health and wellness. Um, yeah. It was incredibly difficult to make things grow there. Yeah. Um, and That's... we really had to work on on some developing and, and remembering and learning about old uh, indigenous growing techniques in the desert. Yeah. Here, oh my gosh, things – I mean, I have berries growing wild in my backyard and yeah. they're almost a nuisance. Yeah. yeah. And, and in the U.S. Southwest, man – you have to be hardy to grow out there, whether you're a plant or a human. Right. You, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's not only cultural, it's local. It's also like, do you even know how to cook it, right? I mean, like, mm. if, if, if like certain people have the opportunity, let's say somebody moves from a different region of the U.S. and comes here and sees the kale and sees all this stuff. I mean, so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to know more about what studies you're doing right now. Sounds great. And... uh how is that going to um, affect the region? <laughs> and then also, I want to talk about pop culture. I want to come back to X Files, and I want to come. I want to talk to Bones. I, I want to talk about Bones. I, I would love to talk to Bones, but I want to talk about Bones. Ah, uh, the Jeffersonian. Yeah, the Jeffersonian. Yes, <laughs> where I was a fellow. It's a great play. <laughs> That's Welcome back to Spark Science, where we're talking about medical anthropology, and we've been talking about diseases, aliens, uh, and... Fennel. Yeah, fennel. <laughs> That's right. Forgot about the fennel. So, yeah, let's let's find out more about what you're doing right now. So you're... 
your current research. My current research, yeah. absolutely. Okay, um, uh, I'm working on on a couple different things right now. One that's kind of fun is I'm looking at safety issues in field research. So okay. anthropologists go out and whether in our own backyards or to different parts of the world. I worked in the Amazon for a while, let's say, and we that's pretty dangerous. We think, uh, parts of it are, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in fact, in the in the eighties, I learned that eighty anthropologists died conducting field research. And um, all sorts of things happen. I started talking with uh, a I like, biologist. I like how you started that. This is kind of fun, but it's we're, bringing, oh, wait, wait. we're making it, it super it gets, dark right it gets, now. It is super this dark. Is awesome. Super, yeah. well, Eighty people died. Well, well, here's so I mean, it's super field work can be super dangerous. I yeah. mean, anthropologists are working all over. I started talking with biologists, field biologists in this case, uh, the other Dr. Bruno, my brother, and biologists encounter issues. And I said, all right. And here's where the, the geeky fun part comes in. I said, well, let's actually look at this. Let's talk to people and see what they're encountering. Everything from too many bug bites to car accidents to whatever it might be while in the field. And so I'm developing a, a, a global survey and some interviews so, to speak with field biologists and anthropologists to learn more about what we do and, and making it safer. And it, I know it sounds maybe a little bit morbid and dark, but it, yeah. it's fun because I get to hear people that are working all over the world in all sorts of different contexts. And I'm right. super excited about this project. It's just the first proposal has gone in. Uh, another one will be going out this spring. It's a wonderful opportunity really to get my students involved in part of the mentorship. They'll be interviewing these individuals as well, different scientists all over the world. So it's and you'll a, it's help a fun people project. too, right? Because you'll, you'll, collect all this data and you might find out like how well, not to we'll see these trends and, and we'll also yeah <laughs> you make it sound so much fun yeah. well we'll see these trends and then we also know what to to do for for training train our right. students before they go out there in, right. into the field and whatever setting it might be it, it's part of what i don't know the sort of behind the scenes making what we do safer more fun more engaging right um and the numbers are better now because you said in the 80s like 80 Oh, this is getting more and more rich. So the numbers are different. The numbers are different. Oh, they're, they're changing. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, there's there's different things people are encountering in the field. A lot of human interactions that aren't that good, Okay, uh, I think, is what we're seeing. And, man, car accidents. People like to crash on yeah. different parts of the world. Right. Um, yeah. So there's And certain sorts. areas are, like, worse than others, I, I've Or mosquitoes, heard. man, they're the worst. Yeah. Absolutely worst. Um, yeah. But so, you know, we're, we'll, we'll know more in, in about a year or so. Hopefully by the fall we'll have some pilot pilot data and and then we'll have a little bit more after that. But it's fun getting to talk to folks about their field research experiences. Okay, um, talking to experts in biology and anthropology. It's it's great um, having that opportunity. I'm um, I'm also looking at the way that doctors work with patients right now. Uh, I actually started a project with one of the undergraduates I advised that just graduated. Okay. She wanted to look at culturally appropriate care. This, this whole idea that um, uh, doctors may not know the cultural backgrounds of their patients, so they can't really uh, engage with them. They may not understand how to work with them. And there's this idea that if if doctors just get um, some sort of culturally appropriate training, that they may be able to work with their patients better. So we said, all right, let's look at some curricula out there that's used to train doctors. They're not very good. The, the curricula. Um, the curricula that are out there, yeah. which is like, 
Well, okay, they, they are very good, which makes a possibility of saying, let's make a better one. Let's yeah. improve science and, and move it forward. And at the same time, let's look at why doctors might need this in the first place. Are there enough doctors that are coming from the populations that are really booming in the U.S. today and developing, right. particularly Latino populations? Yeah. So I'm looking at one end, what conditions are making it so doctors need this training, and then at the same time saying, let's see if we can improve current doctors. Yeah, could could you give me like an example of like – what you'd want, like a, like a scenario in which culturally appropriate curricula would help, like maybe an ongoing issue that certain doctors have because there's this disconnect between cultures? Oh, absolutely. So it, it turns out that doctors actually may not ask patients certain questions if they don't identify with their cultural background. They may be less likely to ask them about of food or sex practices, for example. Which would give them more have, information to treat Which would them. give them oh, a God, whole lot awful. more information. <laughs> um, and if they, they don't connect with the individual, they won't know. They may not ask things in the first place. They may not also not know what to ask. And the patient, if they feel uncomfortable, may not want to divulge information right. and just say what they think the doctor might want to hear. So that little incongruity, that cultural incongruity can have huge impacts in health and healthcare. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think my favorite doctor that I've had over the years is one where I'd go and we chat for 20 minutes almost. I mean, yeah. I don't know how he was able to do this with his appointment schedule, but right. we would talk about all sorts of random things. Yeah. And then somehow the conversation would then go into the checkup. Right. And and today we don't we don't do that. Um often in healthcare, we go, you know, right into the case, what's wrong with you? What are the symptoms? Take yeah. this medication, call me in the morning. Yeah. yeah. This is really similar to even like, this sounds weird, but like business practices. I, w- I talked to people that were in the MBA program and they were talking about how in America, when you when you talk to other people about business and you're trying to, I don't know, do a project together with somebody from another company, we we get right down to business. But if you go and do this in like Germany or, or you try to make business in like Japan, you have to start with like, oh, my name is this. I have like a daughter. Mm-hmm. Do you have a daughter? And you have to actually like be a human being for a little while. Mm-hmm. And otherwise they're not going to deal with you. And my, my favorite doctor is my, you know, the one that helped deliver my daughter. And we'd talk about Twilight. Like we love those books. <laughs> yeah. and, we, and she's like, I'm reading that book right now. Yeah. And she, and yeah, that was awesome. Her name was also Regina. So we made a connection. You're, Jordan's making this awful face. <laughs> like, you gave baby, you gave birth to a hybrid baby. That's and- right. Yeah, there was that horrible like birth scene in the Twilight series. Yeah. I'm not saying they were great books. I'm just saying we made a connection. <laughs> just saying, just saying yeah. you're from Washington. They're from Washington. Right. That, right. That's all that lady that's has never connection. actually visited Washington. Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> but so so you're you're training these <laughs> you're training these doctors to basically like try to better bedside manner and then bedside manner that's actually culturally appropriate. Yeah, and it absolutely. So I mean I that'll be sort of the the development of of the research. Right now we're looking at the curricula, but some of my previous work looked at at doctors in a clinic and then said, well, let's see, you know, people live out in the community. Why don't we work with community health workers or in this case, promotoras, individuals from communities that have some health training that can actually go to your house and yeah. continue the discussions about health and wellness and and learn a little bit more about what people are doing, report back to the doctor, and at the same time help with education. Yeah. There's a lot of innovative work happening right now in healthcare that's it's really out of that clinical exchange. It's outside of the doctor's office. Okay. So I'm slowly shifting from looking and in this case at the doctor patient interactions and then expanding out to see what's happening in communities. That's awesome. 
last time the my insurance made me go get a physical and i was like all right whatever doctor couldn't have me until january but i needed to get it in by the time this year was over so i saw the nursing practitioner Mm -hmm. and it was like the most clinical foreplay i've ever had where she's just like tweak stand here prod here yeah Yeah. and i was like oh so i'm good to go and she's like yep okay (laughs) i had my first male nurse and he and he had to ask you know the generic questions you do at any checkup and some of them have to look, relate to women things and he was like i am very sorry because i'm a man and i was like no, no no it's okay and he was super apologetic and he was super funny and like he had a tattoo of batman and i was like oh i love batman and as soon as i said that he was like oh thank god and he, like, <laughs> and he, like, and he suddenly was normal and like it all went well but yeah that i i i think it's really important that we we have this conversation with you know, medical professionals, because I mean, there's so much that we, I mean, people need to kind of not just, like you said, treat humans like a car. Like you shouldn't deal with the symptoms after you should actually help people like be, have healthy lives. And it's hard to ask those hard questions. Have like healthy health, have healthy lives. Exactly. Not just yeah. have a healthy clinical engagement. Right. Have healthy it's lives. It's actually yeah. what we're doing outside of the doctor's office. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I'm going to ask you a question that I ask all of our guests. How is your field? How is your science? Um, and I'm going to treat anthropology as science. You're, you're doing medical science. It, it, it is, is by the NSF designation, the right, National then. Science Foundation. I'm, I'm inclusive. So how is your science portrayed in, in pop culture? Is it portrayed good? Are there some, you know, things that show like accuracy and some that are just crazy bad? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone, everyone thinks Indiana Jones. So right, immediately when I say about. I'm an anthropologist, they, you know, they, they comment on Indiana Jones, which is nothing at all like archaeology. Right. No, whatsoever. I, I think if I can just chime in really quick, when yeah. you said we're going to be uh, interviewing a, a medical anthropologist, what I thought was there's like, I think he's, I don't know, like a little Jordanian guy who's on the History Channel. He's like, <laughs> yeah. you know the guy I'm talking about? And it's so scripted. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, oh, we're even talking to that guy. But You're just let down. Yeah. yeah. Hey, thanks. Some guy in, yeah. some guy <laughs> thanks, in a V-neck no. Tommy sweater. Like, yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Who, he, but he did so, want to be Indiana Jones. So I heard Bones is has some some amount of accuracy. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, okay. well, it's the Jeffersonian, which is a Smithsonian, a great institution. Right. I mean, which is supposed some... to be the Smithsonian. Totally. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, it's totally fun. The only thing is, you know, there's some accuracy. There's good science in there. And, and there's actually advisors usually on, on shows right. from the CDC that help advise on, on health issues or science. And, right. and that's built on, on uh, wonderful works that were written on forensic anthropology. So that there are some, some good, there's some good information in there and some good science that happens. However, um, her lab is really great. I mean, they have the most amazing blue lighting. You know, it's 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 lit fabulously. There's tons of space. People aren't cramped for time. They're Everyone's not trying good to find looking. funding. Everyone's fabulously good looking <laughs> and dresses well. I mean, maybe it's a DC thing, but yeah, uh, some of I've that. I've been to DC. People dress really well there. Oh yeah, they're they're yeah. pretty a little sharp and conservative, a little V-necky. Yeah, <laughs> but otherwise pretty good. Oh Jordan, he's not gonna let you go. That's quite all right. <laughs> You're like I deserve every bit of it. Yeah.
the Jeffersonian. I, th- I almost feel like it's telling the public that scientists are like all crazy rich and all of our labs are like awesome when that is not the case, right? I mean, uh, that's I mean that's the case on probably most most shows. Is they, yeah. you, you see what they're doing; they live this glamorous life, and you you don't actually see when they're sitting there saying things like, "Okay, I got to go to the supermarket," and we don't see that part of life when they're. Com- you know, comparing and shopping, you know, right. of course not, but when they're budgeting, exactly. You know, what, whatever their life is, as they're a scientist right. and they're thinking, okay, um, you know, am I going to go back home, make coffee and work on the grant, which is what I'm doing tonight. Right. Which um, is going to pay me all next year. Exactly. Yeah. Pretty, pretty much. <laughs> so but what is crazy bad? I think anthropology, crazy bad anthropology. Um, I think they could do a, a better job talking about some of the contemporary race issues and ethnicity. And so that's sort of glossed over, I think, a lot in in society and in our own conversations. And certainly here in Bellingham, whether it's TV or in Bellingham, I think we don't like to talk about some of these uncomfortable issues. And I think a lot of shows that deal with anthropology skirt around that. Yeah. Um, And they're afraid to discuss those issues that people are talking about on the streets today. They like to pull back to those safe things like science. Science is very safe because there's this idea that it's it's uh, objective. It's removed from all of all of these um, oh difficult, messy interrelations. It's not human. That perhaps it's not yeah. human. And the Bones character, I think, reflects that in a sense. Yeah, she's, she's portrayed very stereotypical. As, yeah. as being a, a scientist that's very uh, objective. When actually, anthropologists are far from the truth. We're very critical, and we push a lot of social issues. We're we're actually engaging in local policy and and. You don't see that so much in in Bones and some of the other shows or portrayals in in the media, perhaps. Right. I'm trying to think if if there's any other anthropology characters than Bones, <laughs> and she's not even is she, is she, is she, is she, she's not an anthropologist. She's like a, she's a forensic anthropologist. She's a forensic okay. Which is which is you know certainly looking at right um, human re- remains and the such. Right. Um, so many. You know, I don't think there there are um, other portrayals that I can think of right now. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Um, Sad. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry we don't have more shows dedicated to your field. Yeah. Well, I mean, astrophysicists got a lot. There's not a whole lot of butcher shows either. (laughs) Right. But but I I, I agree. I agree that that racial issue is not brought up. But I feel like there's this wave coming. And it's... uh, it's, It's, I think it's already come. Yeah. Um, You know, it's already (laughs) washed over the U.S. We're in the middle of it. Yeah. you know, we're wondering whether the tides are going to recede and we're going to see a watermark or if things are going to settle down and everyone's going to continue on. But right. It's a it's a tough, it's a tough time. Maybe we're, we're talking about it. I think all these shows need to catch up. Yeah, um, that's very true. And and actually, speaking of media and race, um, there's actually studies from the UCLA that show that shows that are actually more diverse, racially diverse, do better. Like uh, movies that are more racially diverse do better, like the Fast and Furious like franchise and like and all this kind of stuff. And it's it's um, it's really odd that studios haven't really understood that. And if, if they only care about money, which I assume they do, then they should actually think about these things. I want to bring up any other pop culture. So we were talking about X-Files. Is there we were talking about studying people that love aliens, studying people that, you know, love Sasquatch. But. Do you know of any anthropology that studies people that are really are obsessed with certain things like X-Files or like Harry Potter or like Star Wars? Is there do you know of anyone that does research in that? Like pop culture cult things. 
Oh, I'm I'm sure there's 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 entire fields of anthropology that look at pop culture and media. Yeah, it's not at all what I do. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Absolutely. I mean, it, we can look at. I mean, the, right now we have the the whole uh, discussion happening with the Oscars, though. I mean, yes. we can't get much more pop culture than that. Oh my god, and let's go back to that. How then. many individuals do we have that what are, are say about? not so, white? So, do you not know about this, Jordan? No. So last year um, at the Oscars, every single person who was nominated for an acting award was white. Like every single person. And they're like, well, um, that's awful. And there was a big uproar. It happened again this year. Like, and, and before last year, it never happened until, like, it had been 20 years since that had happened. I don't remember the numbers now. Oh. I was just reading an article about it. I don't I mean, remember anything. Th- this, when we look at, I mean, this happens in all sorts of institutions, whether yeah. it's the Oscars or whether it's higher education right. or whether it's local government. Yeah. I think as more of us that are, uh, say, Latinos and Latinas or yeah. from underserved populations start to move uh, up the ranks in, in careers and in education. The idea is maybe hopefully that more individuals will become stars and professors and, and fill in all these roles. Yeah. But we're seeing just how hard it is to, to break the, the norms in, in society and, and actually have things like, oh, Oscar nominees that aren't just white. Honestly, we need. To give roles to actors and actresses that fit the changing demographics and support those movies. Yeah. I think that'll be a nice beginning. Yeah, I agree. And, and the UCLA study is showing that they are getting supported and that TV is far ahead of movies, actually. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, uh, FM radio is the most uh, <laughs> diverse. <laughs> I think our show is like the best in this, in this studio. Dr. Bruna, Sean. Thank you for coming to talk to us. We've had a really good time going all over the, the, I don't know, map <laughs> of, of what anthropology is, what is funny, and who should we study, and what should happen in this world. So thank you for coming. for joining us. We just spoke with Dr. Sean Bruna about medical anthropology. I'm Regina Barber DeGraff. And I'm Jordan Baker. If there's a science idea that you're curious about, send us an email or post a message on our Facebook page, Spark Science. Today's episode of The Anthropology Files was produced in the Spark Radio KMRE studios, located in the Spark Museum on Bay Street in Bellingham. Our producer is Eric Faburetta. The engineer is Nathan Miller. Our theme music is Chemical Calisthenics by Black Alicious. And our feature song today is Grill Walker by Mode Selector.
gold, tin, iron, platinum, zinc. When I wrap your thing, iodine, nitrate, activate. Red geranium, the only difference is I transmit sound. Balance with some balance, then you add a little talent in. Careful, careful with those ingredients. They can explode and blow up if you drop them and they hit the ground. 